All right, it's Thursday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we dive into today's show, I just want to remind you to follow us all on social media. You can find the show Twitter account is Locked On Longhorns. It's L-O underscore Longhorns. You can follow me, Patrick, at Pat Sports Guy. You can follow my co-host, Cammie, at Cammie and G. You can listen to the show on your, on your favorite podcast apps or head over to longhornswire.usatoday.com to find all of our episodes. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and welcome in our guest. I'm sorry, my guest, my co-host, Cammie. Dang, I got demoted that fast. No, no. Hey, so sorry about that. You know, that happens on radio. Or a it podcast. happens. It happens. I'm dealing with a new mic anyways. So uh, we might have some little mishaps here and there, but it's our first week. So that should slide, right? Right, right. Okay. Not a mishap. What did you think of the new intro? Oh, I love that. Um, I like both, actually, the intro and the uh, exit song. So the didn't you do Eyes of Texas and Texas Fight? Yeah, I did Texas Fight to start us off. And then when we end the show, kind of do the Eyes of Texas. Yeah, that's perfect. So we got a jam-packed show today. We're going to kick things off with football talk, because who doesn't love football talk? Exactly. Cammie, what is on your mind today as far as football? I mean, what isn't on my mind in terms of football? But, you know, one of my pet cats is definitely Sam Ellinger. So I believe we are going to start the show by discussing his Heisman odds because we've seen several media outlets reporting his chances of winning the Heisman next year, this coming season for a senior season. And um, I'm obviously, as you know, a huge Sam Ellinger fan. I've been watching him since he was at Westlake High School. And I've mentioned several times throughout any of the articles I've written on Longhorn's Wire that he really has steadily improved throughout each season at Texas. You almost feel like you've been able to witness his consistent and impressive development firsthand. But he still kind of flew under the radar a bit as a junior, even though statistically he had his best season yet. He played and started in all 12 regular season games, which even that was had some people worried just due to his physical style of play and how often he abolishes the pocket to run. But he did still account for over 4,000 yards of total offense, which was third in school history, actually, and 35 total touchdowns. But what I love most about him, and this is just in terms of a football player, he just has it, and that's a very rare thing to find in a player. Just the way he carries himself, his passion, his relentless spirit is unmatched. I feel like you can never count him out of any game. And I know even the ones you've watched, you've messaged me, um, how you can just never count him out. He's been down 10, 13, 17 points and just somehow uh, fights back and finds way back. But not only that, he's seen, he does seem to show up against the toughest competition. Um, he's a heartbeat of what they do. Pretty much everything uh, goes through him back there. And if he continues improving each season like he has, then I honestly believe the sky's the limit for him in a senior season, which – um, he should, I actually believe with a few of the media outlets that he should be considered as a legitimate Heisman Trophy finalist this season. But I think in order to do that, he would have to lead Texas to winning the Big 12 and into the college football playoffs. And I think the only two quarterbacks that I would actually have ahead of him in the Heisman race this early on would be Justin Fields from Ohio State and Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. And how do you feel about that? I think you hit the nail on the head, really. You know, obviously Trevor Lawrence, uh, he's lost one game in his entire collegiate career. Just so happened to be the national championship against, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner this year in Joe Burrow. 
you know, so that's, I think you're right there. Justin Fields, who obviously was up there. And I think for any quarterback to be considered for the Heisman, they really have to have that signature win. Uh, early on, he will get that opportunity traveling to Baton Rouge to take on LSU, coming off their national championship victory. It's going to look, be a look of a different team, but I still think that's going to be their big win. Um, if they can get that win, that would kind of be his signature moment that would really help him, you know, vault him into the conversation. Obviously, you're going to have the matchup, uh, the Red River rivalry in Dallas. Is going to be a big thing for him. If he can pull those two off, I really think that that can help launch his, his campaign and his senior season. You know, I thought it was funny. I was looking through, uh, looking online at some of the, when you had mentioned we were going to talk about the Heisman. And I, fe- I stumbled across this article on the Sporting News where they brought up a question where who's going to have the bigger impact, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma or Sam Ellinger? And while he is highly touted, I have a hard time with picking a quarterback who hasn't had any extensive playing time over an established starter who's been doing it for three seasons. Oh, exactly. And I I, I honestly think this comparison, I had to ask you if that was serious to begin with, but I think this debate being made right now is kind of premature, in my opinion, like you mentioned. I know Texas and Oklahoma football programs are heated rivals and things like that, but we have not seen Spencer Rattler enough. Some may know what he's capable of or of his potential, but we haven't seen him actually carry a team or perform and play in big moments against top competition. So I kind of dismiss this debate at the moment. Like we've said, I think Ellinger owns this competition right now and even past that um like we mentioned he should be a heisman trophy finalist so i think that may have been for the clicks or just kind of like a heated rivalry type of discussion but i think it's definitely too premature for that right now yeah i think i did agree with one point that the writer made was the fact that there's a lot of pressure on on sam this season and there really is because obviously texas is trying to get you know where Oklahoma has been the last several years. As much as it pains me to say it, they've been the class of the the conference in football, going to the you know college football playoffs. I mean, they haven't done well, but the fact that they were there, they've been the Big Twelve champs. So yeah, that's definitely a lot of pressure on Sam. But I just thought, kind of like you thought, you know, it's kind of a it sounded kind of clickish, you know, trying to get clicks. But I think the pressure definitely is on Sam Ellinger. Now I want to switch gears real quick, and we're going to talk a little bit of possible Big 12 expansion. And I know this was brought up by The Athletic, and I just – what are your thoughts about the Big 12 going after some of the schools over in the Pac-12 as they try to, you know, build that super conference? Yeah, I think it's actually – inevitable at this point I think more and more of the national media will start talking about a possible big 12 impact merger but I think it's more of a matter of how much they want to expand do they want 16 teams do they want 14 who knows I'm kind of a go big or go home uh, girl at this moment but a lot of people have conflicting opinions on the Longhorn Network for example in terms of when they're going to get rid of it and why people love or hate it or etc and I'm kind of indifferent in that aspect I see both sides of what the Longhorn Network brings and also why people may not enjoy it as much. I love the kind of behind-the-scenes insight that we get from all of the Texas athletic programs with the Longhorn Network. I also love all of the game replays and things like that that you can tune into at any time. 
But it's also something that not many people have on their cable providers. For example, it's not very easy uh, to stream. I have problems with that all the time. And it's also rumored to prevent some teams from wanting to join the Big 12 and all, all things like that. So like I mentioned, I think expanding the conference is inevitable. It's just a matter of working out the details at this point. Yeah, I think working out the details, maybe going towards like what the others have and having an actual conference television network. You know, the SEC has theirs. The Big Ten has theirs. Um, per, does, and I'm not sure because I'm a, I'm a little bit ignorant to it, but Pac-12, do they have one? I don't believe so. If so, I haven't necessarily watched it. So I know they have their deals with Fox Sports so that they can get, you know, more games on television, but I agree with you there. Now the big question is if they go to the PAC 12 or who are they going to target the schools out of Arizona? Are they going to go back after Colorado to bring them back? Um, you know, Utah's a name. Do they go after any of the California schools? I mean, bringing USC would be a huge one, but I doubt that they would just because they're such a big part of that PAC 12 conference, you know, Oregon, I mean, it's just teams up and down, you know, who would they go after? So, you know, it's an interesting thought, and, and we'll get into that more as as the season gets closer, and I'm sure that more stories about the expansion are going to come out. But uh, actually, coming up next, we're going we're gonna to get in a little spring football talk. Well, let's talk the defensive side of the ball coming up right after this. All right, Cammy. so we got – we talked about it in the previous segment. We were going to talk about some spring football, defensive side of the ball. So I just wanted your thoughts on on who do you see as a, a defensive lineman to watch in the upcoming, you know, in the upcoming spring football? I would have to go Joseph Asai here. We saw a glimpse of what he's capable of in their bowl game against Utah. And I think the new 4-3 scheme should help a ton with defensive line production at Texas. I mean, it was literally one of the worst units in college football last season as a whole. And I know we've briefly discussed Malcolm Roach and how he mentioned um, Todd Orlando's scheme didn't necessarily fit to their current players' strength, he felt like. It was more focused on the safeties and linebackers. And obviously within the next two years, we have two five-star defensive linemen coming to campus. So this change should work out for them as a whole unit and help unleash their potential. But I think Osai in particular will have a breakout year this season. Yeah, I'm interested on the interior side. And I think Joseph Osai is obviously a good a good pick there for who you're going to watch in, in the spring. Uh, if I was looking for, you know, the young guys, the early enrollees, uh, I'm interested in just to see how – you know, Sawyer Gorham Welch out of Longview, Vernon uh, Broughton out of Houston. You know, those are guys that are going to be playing on the interior most likely. Those are the, the two young guys that are they're actually enrollees of the 2020 class. So they're, they're the two that I'm kind of looking for. You know, right there in the middle, I want to see how well that uh, they're able to change, you know, with that 4-3. Now you're going to have two defensive tackles inside, you know, trying to take on the middle of the defense rather than just one pure nose tackle in a three, three, five, you know, and, and like you said, having Joseph Asai on the outside, you know, we'll get to see a little bit more, you know, after spring football, you know, how is Alfred Collins going to do coming in, you know, Prince Dorba, he's a high, highly recruited guy. Those guys will join in the fall, but I think, you know, Joseph Asai really is going to be the big name. We saw what he could do against Utah in the bowl game, and they're hoping to get him around the quarterback even more. So I think you're dead on with those. So I, those are, I, I guess those three would be the big right there. 
Uh, now I kind of want to talk, let's talk linebacker a little bit. Who was your pick at linebacker? Yeah, this one was tough for me. I'm going to go over Schoen here. He missed a few games last season due to injuries, particularly against Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and TCU. But playing in four games, he had six tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, and one inter- interception. It was hard for me to protect. I guess, pick a particular linebacker right here just because I think several are capable of stepping up and the position is fairly open at the moment. Uh, but Overshone should have a great year. Yeah, Overshone definitely should have a great year. Uh, I kind of want to see what Jawan Mitchell's got. You know, he was rumored to go into the transfer portal and then I guess pulled his name out. You know, I guess with the new defensive staff, how is that going to impact his level of play? So he's the guy that, that I really wanted to look at and see where he's at, you know, and, and so the linebacker is going to be interesting. Now on your guy overshone, you know, I talked a little bit about this, if, if he could possibly be the, the next Justin Simmons, you know, so um, I'm sorry, Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, you know, cause Clemson play played him all over the place. They played him at safety at linebacker. You know, he has, he has size at six four, so he, you want him out there on the on the edge, but also using him in a variations of ways. So, I think that that might be a way that they might use him. But it's you know it's an interesting thought about how they're gonna use him, bounce him around. Um, do you think that that's something that you'd like to see, or would you rather him just say play strictly at linebacker? No, I'd like to see them move him around a bit. Yeah, and I think it's because he had, like I said, he has the size, but he also has played the, you know, the history of playing defensive back. So there's different ways that they can use him. Um, you know, they're going to be trying to figure out, you know, who's going to play what downs, you know, in in nickel situations, and they got to take a linebacker off the field, or they don't have to. They could use Overshone, you know, kind of make him as that fifth defensive back. Or you know any variation, I think it's a way that they can play it, and I think that'll be a a big part on what they're looking to do. Uh, So now we're going to talk a little bit about the defensive backs. And and Cami, who do you have as your defensive back player to watch? This is actually the easiest one for me to pick. I think Caden Stearns, for example, if he can somehow remain healthy, has the ability to not just be the best defensive back on Texas's roster, but one of the top in the nation. He's going into his junior season this year. Of the 17 games he's played in, he started 16 of those. He was named Big 12 Defensive Freshman of the Year and first team all Big 12 as a true freshman. He only played in four games last season, but had 29 tackles with a career-high 12 tackles against Oklahoma State. I'm expecting a huge year out of him, and hopefully he can stay on the field this season. You definitely hope that he can stay on the field. You know, like you said, you're, he's a big play guy, you know, freshman year, four interceptions. So he obviously has the ball skills. Uh, the other safety position I think is going to be interesting uh, is see if B.J. Foster is going to take over that role. I also see him in a nickelback type situation. Uh, but the, I guess the guy that I really want to watch and see how he does is Deshaun Jamison. You know, he plays corner, but he's also a big time return threat for them, you know, with special teams and their inability to really do anything a season ago. I'm really interested to see how the new special teams coordinator is really going to change things for them. But so I would, I would take a look at Deshaun Jamison, both, you know, in the defensive backfield and then also, um, you know, what can he do on special teams? Can he bring a new aspect of it? And and so if we had to pick one player 
on the defensive side of the ball, who's going to be the best player on defense out of your picks uh, for for spring ball when it starts up on March 25th? Oh, that's tough. I'm still going to say Caden Stearns just in terms of uh, the quality of player he is as long as he can stay healthy. I think um, pound for pound, he's probably the best positional player on Texas's defense right now. But like I said, I'm expecting a, a productive year out of just of a size, so he would probably be a close second. I'm probably going to steal one of your picks here. I'm going to go with Joseph Asai. I really think that him playing on the edge is really going to help this defense a ton. I think he's going to make some impact. But the great thing that that I think we're going to get to see is there's a matchup that I really want to watch in spring football, and that's going to be Samuel Cosme against Osai. And and you've heard the term iron sharpens iron. I just want to see how they both – can elevate each other's game by going up against each other each day in practice. Oh, that'll definitely be fun to watch. Um, th- there's actually a lot of exciting position battles, uh, primarily on the offense too, but uh, it'll be a fun spring of practices, that's for sure. And then obviously I can't wait for for the rest of the recruiting class to get in because I, I want to see what Alfred Collins has. I, I'm really excited about him coming in, you know, um, the the safety tandem. Uh, Alfred coming in, he's going to be uh, a guy that I'm really wanting to really figure out what he's got. Um, I'm trying to think uh, Prince Dorba, he's coming in, you know, so they, they got guys up and down that can come in and, and that are going to be able to do some things. You also have Jalen Ford. Uh, he'll be joining in the fall too at linebacker. He's the, he's the kid that actually Texas was able to flip from Utah. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. All right, so coming up next, we're actually going to switch gears and we're going to talk a little bit of basketball and what's on Cammy's mind in a new segment we're going to call Cammy's Corner. All right, let's let's dive right into some basketball talk. And Cammy, the uh, Texas Longhorns men basketball team is now back from the dead. Did you invite the Undertaker on the podcast today, or what are you doing? I didn't do anything. I, the Undertaker, he, I hear he's a big Texas fan. Maybe he just wanted to hear what <laughs> we have to say. Well, that'd be nice. But yeah, they actually did rise from the dead. Surprisingly, um, they're currently sitting around. Oh, I would actually say there's three different tiers in the Big Twelve right now. Obviously, Kansas and Baylor are in tier one, but there's kind of a cluster in the middle tier, Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, TCU, and then obviously the third tier would be Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Kansas State. But how do you think they're actually going to be seeded heading into the Big 12 tournament? I'm going to go with, I think Texas is going to be the number three. Uh, and the big reason why that, they're playing Oklahoma State, who is kind of at the bottom tier, as you, were, as you mentioned. Um so they would be three. I think Tech will be four, followed by West Virginia and then Oklahoma. And the reason why I think it's going to be the third is because Texas Tech has a huge battle. Yes, it is at home in Lubbock, but they're playing Kansas, you know, and they're the number one team in the country right now. You know, Tech played them pretty tough uh, in their house, in, in Allen Fieldhouse in, in Lawrence. But, um, you know, it's, it's still, I think it's going to be a tough battle. Um, they just, I mean, but. But Tech pushed Baylor to the limit. So, you know, it could be a tough, tough matchup for them. So uh, I would go Texas three, Tech four, West Virginia five, and then Oklahoma six, I think is where I see that 
second mid-tier cluster right there. All right. That that's interesting. Do you actually know um by any chance off the top of your head who West Virginia plays next week? Or later this weekend? I I do not know. I know because I think I would actually probably swap West Virginia over Texas Tech. But other than that, yeah, I agree with you. Texas would probably come in as the number three seed. Um, potentially West Virginia or Texas Tech right behind them, and then Oklahoma and TCU. Yeah, it, so it's it, it'll be interesting, and, and we'll have the Big 12 tournament coming up. We can talk about that. And then obviously we have the NCAA tournament selection Sunday coming up, so that's going to be – it's going to be interesting to see where exactly they fall, um, you know, in the tournament. And then obviously when they make the selections for the big dance, March Madness, looking forward to that. But we got a little some, bit of March Madness on Tuesday night. We did get some. And there's going to be on the women's side a little March Madness tonight, right? Hopefully. So tonight, Baylor. Texas women's team in Waco. I'm looking forward to this game. I know, you know, it's the number two team and they're probably going to wipe the floor with Texas. You know, it just seems like they wipe the floor with everybody, but I'm interested. I want to highlight somebody here. I'm really interested to see how Celeste Taylor reacts in her, you know, she had back-to-back games scoring career highs. She earned freshman and co- uh, Big 12 player of the week honors for what she was able to do in their last two games against Oklahoma and against the number 25 ranked TCU Horn Frogs. Tonight, she's going up against the woman that won the other half of the co-op, the co-Big 12 player of the year and Lauren Cox. And that's going to be a battle between Cox and, and Collier and Joyner Holmes down low. You know, I think if, if they can find a way to limit her impact in the game, she pretty much she's a double double machine. So if they can find a way to limit her ability to get on the boards, you know, maybe force her to kick the ball out, you know, keep it away from the interior, that'll give Texas a, a good shot to possibly pull the upset on the road. You know, it's a little more difficult playing down there in Waco. They have a good, you know, home court advantage. So that's I think that's gonna be a tough matchup, but I still like the matchup between the between Collier and Cox as, as my matchup to watch tonight. I'm hoping, even though you're not too, too optimistic regarding playing the number two team, but I'm hoping some of the men's basketball magic can rub off to them tonight. Let's hope so. I mean, uh, who's, who's going to be, you know, if they get an opportunity, who's going to play the role of Matt Coleman tonight? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully Taylor. Uh, Celeste Taylor would be a good pick. Uh, maybe LaShawn Higgs. Uh, Suge Sutton, um, Charlie Collier, Joyner Holmes. I mean, they got they got people who can make shots up and down. Um, so you know that's that's going to be really it's going to be a good matchup. So let's hopefully I'm hoping for the upset. I'm just not setting my expectation level too high. That's realistic. All right, Cami. Let's before we wrap the show up, let's go into our newest segment. We're going to try and do once a week called Cammy's Corner. What does Cammy have for us today? I could get used to this type of segment. 
But it's kind of a slow, since we've already covered men's basketball and baseball and some of softball in their rankings, it's kind of a slow period for us right now. Like we just mentioned, we'll probably try and add some football talk into every single episode. But um, speaking of football, actually, this is part of football. So I was actually just going to talk to you a little bit about kind of a mock draft roundup, uh, primarily surrounding the top three uh, former Texas players that we feel are going to get selected uh, first in the 2020 NFL draft, kind of um, where they're sitting at the moment, where we predict maybe what round they'll be taken in, um, who's the current highest rated uh, draft prospect out of Texas, things like that. So if you had to guess right now, who do you think gets selected first? I think Brandon Jones. Yeah, same. And and what round do you think you have him going in? Third round. Gotcha. Yeah. So he's pretty much on every single website listed as a top 100 uh, draft prospect, but I think he's actually going to fall in terms of where he's selected right around that 100 number. Um, I think a few mock drafts, they've had him at 103. So I know USA Today as DraftWire had him going number 103 overall to the Carolina Panthers. I mean, he's very, very physical, relentless player. He has exceptional tackling abilities. He's by far probably, um, it's a safe bet that he's going to be the first uh, Longhorn selected. But it's interesting because if it weren't such a strong, and I mean very strong wide receiver class, I think actually Devin DuVernay or Colin Johnson would have been selected over him. I know a couple of big boards actually have Devin DuVernay um, in terms of overall prospects ranked a little bit higher than Brandon Jones, but in terms of how strong, like we mentioned, the wide receiver class is, they're both Colin Johnson and Devin DuVernay probably going to be selected in the fourth or fifth rounds. Um, do you have any um, any type of projections surrounding the two wide receivers? Yeah, I just want to circle back to your thoughts on you You were talking about the the big boards and whatnot. Um, if you follow me at all, you know, I do work for DraftWire as well. Um, and I actually have Brandon Jones as my 85th best player on my big board, my top 100. So yeah, I think third round's good for him. As far as DuVernay and Johnson, I think the thing with Johnson, if it was a, a normal draft class, Johnson would probably go ahead of both of them just because he has the size. The only big question with him is going to be, can he stay healthy? And so I think that really hurts it. But otherwise, I'd say third round for him. I think he could him and DuVernay both could find their way into the the compensatory portion of the third round. So I think late third, early fourth, you know, so possibly sneak into day two of the draft. Otherwise, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, early day four. And it's so wide open when you look at team needs and everything. And I think the reason why Brandon Jones. Um, is so much higher is I feel like safety is almost as hard to find as a quarterback it seems like a lot of safeties get shuffled in and out and and you know they're trying to find that right combination depending on what scheme you know is he better in the cover three is he better at cover two is he better you know playing the nickel I mean there's so many different variations of it and variables so that's why I think Brandon Jones is so high but you know, I think DuVernay, he did really well at the combine. I'm not going to say he really blew anybody away. I mean, he did have the the 4.3940 speed. So he obviously can get to that second, third level quickly. Um, I think the problem with him is going to be his short area quickness. Um, so he's not as fluid as an athlete as you would expect him to be. So I think that hurts him a little bit as far as his testing went. As far as the film, it speaks for itself. Reliable durable 
and he's got one, he's got some of the best hands of any wide receiver in this class. Um, but if I had to pick, I'm going to say Jones first off the board, Duvernay second, and then Colin Johnson just because of the injury concerns. Because having a big play wide receiver like that who can be your red zone threat, he's got an insane catch radius with those long arms. Um, obviously, he's got the six foot five frame. He can climb the ladder. So he's he's got a lot that he can bring to the table. It's just it's going to be interesting to see how the medical rechecks go for him, um, you know, as he's dealing with that hip flexor right now, which prevented him from running out the combine. Yeah, and his injury prone past is probably going to affect his draft stock just a little bit. But the pro day at Texas, he's going to have to test really well there. But like I mentioned it's a very strong wide receiver class. That's why I currently predict Duvernay and Johnson to probably be selected around the end of the fourth round, possibly even fifth, uh, depending on how the blast, the draft plays out. But Jones is definitely probably going to be selected within the third round. And he's also a class act. I know we didn't mention that much about him, but he's a class act off the field. I know he probably blew away executives um, at the combine with his interview process that we mentioned, how he just studied every single NFL's defensive schemes while he was recovering from his surgery. So he definitely has a determination um, and like he's just a high character guy who's a team captain for the Longhorns for the 2019 season. But I just know that a team is going to get a steal with DuVernay and Johnson. Uh, they're probably going to be selected maybe within even 10 picks from each other, which is kind of cool. But um, any team that selects either of those is going to get a unique player, like we mentioned, DuVernay. Um, he doesn't really have the height to him, but he has a very sturdy, strong, muscular lower body. He's obviously extremely quick. He has strong hands. He's very durable. He didn't miss a single game throughout his four-year collegiate career, which I think is absolutely um, insane to do. That's pretty much unheard of. And like you mentioned, Johnson is a big body wide receiver, but he's also a decent route runner too. And I know he wants to be known more than just a big body wide receiver. So I'm excited to see what his potential could be at the next level. Absolutely. Now that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you check us out each and every day, Monday through Friday, on the Locked On Podcast Network. Download it, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And then obviously you can check it out at longhornswire.usatoday.com. For Cami, I'm Patrick, and we will see you tomorrow. Welcome. Your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns.